you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. And they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Isaiah, the 52nd chapter. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come in to thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the band of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Therefore my people shall know my name. And I'm going to come to you this morning with this subject. Awaken the giant within. Why don't you turn to somebody next to you and tell them you've got a giant inside. Now tell that giant to wake up this morning. That was really convincing. (laughs) Isn't it funny how life truly is a matter of perspective? I have my perspective. You have your perspective. We see ourselves and we see others from our point of view. And that point of view becomes our reality. I often wonder what people think of me and what their view is of me. Because I see myself one way, but I am guessing that everybody else sees me in a total different way. Sheila Harshbarger made a statement about me um, being out in public in tennis shoes and that if she ever sees me in tennis shoes out in public, she's going to take a picture and she's going to post it all over Facebook. But I always wonder what people think about me. And I find different times that people actually, they laugh at me because, well, I'm a little different. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not the norm, and I'm not really sure what that they are expecting or what they are seeing, but they, they kind of laugh at me for being different. But what they don't realize is that I'm laughing at them because, well, they all are the same, and they look the same, and that's my perspective. But life truly is a matter of perspective. I have a very vivid memory from when I was a little girl, and I had to have been maybe three or four years old. I I was very small, but for whatever reason that this memory has stood out in my mind, it has all of these years. You see, my grandma and grandpa Price used to love to go to Indianapolis to shop, and they would always take my mom and my Aunt Paula and 
uh, as kids, and, and we would drive over to Indianapolis, and there were always songs that were being sung. Grandpa would always say, let's sing a song from the driver's seat, and he would start into one of um, the songbook songs back in the day, and uh, then there were songs that Aunt Paula used to write, and it went something like, oh, we went shopping today, today, oh, we went shopping today, mama bought a purse, Paula bought two, but daddy couldn't find no shoes. <laughs> Such talent. It was amazing. Years ago, the, the happening mall was Lafayette Square Mall. Now, right now, you probably don't want to go, especially at night, because, you know, you're not really sure that you're going to be safe, but that was the mall that they always used to take us to, and Grandpa used to say that it wasn't that he liked to shop. Now, Aunt Lois and I would probably differ with that, because I, I think he really did like to shop, but he used to say that it wasn't that he liked to shop. He just liked to sit in the middle of the mall and watch the girls shop. You can interpret that the way that you want. You're <laughs> always like, what girls you watching, Papa? <laughs> but my memory is this. I have this vivid memory. I can literally see the sights and hear the sounds of walking through the center aisle of Lafayette Square Mall. And I was young enough, and at one time I was short, that my hand literally was extended up to reach my grandpa's hand, who was six foot one, so I had to have been very young. And I remember looking around and just thinking that everything was so cool and so amazing. And I remember tilting my head almost to where I was looking straight up, and I looked up at my grandpa, and he looked gigantic. And I literally said to him, wow, Papa, you're a giant. That was my perspective of him. In my little girl brain, he was absolutely huge. When Gentry was little, is he in here? He's here someplace, I know. When he was little, he was out at my parents' house one day. And how many of you remember that show that used to play the after-school special? Anybody ever watched that besides me? A few hands. The younger ones are like, have no clue what you're talking about. But it was a, a show that used to play. And um, Gentry was out at their house, and he was pretty young and usually was really busy and into everything. But my mom told me, she said, I noticed that he was just completely into watching this program. And the program was about this little boy who had uh, what was called giant uh, syndrome or giantism. And this is a rare condition that produces abnormal growth in children and causes them to reach unusual heights. And mom said that Gentry was sitting there and he was just watching this program and she just noticed that he was so into it. And finally he turned, at her, turned to her and said, Mammal, do you think that's what's wrong with me? I am oversized, you know. <laughs> it was his perception, the way that he viewed himself. Giants come in many shapes and many sizes. Now, I'm not talking about physical giants whose heights tower over the average person. But I'm speaking today about spiritual 
giants. These are men and women whose walk with God seems to tower over the average person. Their lives and their words carry great weight and influence with others. They impact the world around them by the life that they live. These people that, uh, these are the people that other people look to as spiritual examples. They are the ones that others go to for sound, godly counsel. And if you have a mother that is here today that is able to give you sound, godly counsel, you ought to thank the Lord for that because that is a priceless commodity. Yes, it is. Those that admire spiritual giants uh, want to know what their opinion is, and they follow their advice to the crossing of the T and the dotting of the I. They are people that you can trust their walk with God because they are consistent, and you've never seen them waver for as long as you have known them. Spiritual giants are the ones that you call first when crisis arise. I know that for myself, there are certain phone numbers that are first on the dial tone when I know that there is a crisis and I need prayer backup. They are your prayer covering because you trust their prayer life. And you trust their word that when they say, I'm going to pray, you can take it to the bank because you know that they are praying for you. I have had many men and women in my life that I have considered spiritual giants and that I have aspired to be like. They have inspired, to me, inspired me to be more and to do more for God. Their walk with God and their sacrifices for the kingdom of God have convicted me and made me search my heart and make changes that would cause me to be a better person. Some of them I have known up close. Some of them are sitting here today. And you don't even realize that I have looked to you and to your example. I have watched you through the years, and I've not seen you waver, but I've seen your consistency. And what you don't realize is that you have helped by your example to make me the person that I am today. And for that, I am thankful. And for that, I give you honor. Then there are those that I have only known from a distance. But their walk with God and their anointing and their power with God has ignited a hunger in me to reach for what they have. Men like G.T. Haywood, whose ministry was bathed in revelation of Jesus' name and the oneness of God. That revelation was so powerful that it birthed an apostolic revival that swept across Indiana and into our nation. That revelation came through powerful encounters with God, through prayer and fasting. And songs were written as a result of those encounters. Songs like, I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. It makes me want to seek after God so that he can reveal himself to me in a mighty way like he did to Bishop Haywood. Others like Vesta Mangan, who possess 
a passion about prayer and about the power of prayer. She and her husband established a 24-hour prayer chain in their church in Alexandria, Louisiana, some 30, over 30 years ago that today is still going strong. I'm talking about 24-hour prayer, 365 days a year. Someone is in location or on location at that church praying, and that inspires me to want to pray more, to want to understand the power of prayer more than what I do. Since her son's birth, Sister Mangan spends his entire birthday from sun up until sundown, not baking a cake, not getting a party together. But she spends the entire day in prayer for her son. And consequently, Pastor Anthony Mangan has a powerful ministry that has a global impact. I want my sons to say that my mom was powerful in prayer, and it's because of her prayers that I am what I am today, spiritual giants that have influenced me and inspired me. Men like Lee Stone King, who has such a powerful walk with God that angels visit his home. In a mere 10 minutes or less at a North American youth conference, he incited a shout so loud and so strong from several thousand young people and adults that the atmosphere literally shook and a generation was prepared or propelled into spiritual dimensions that they had never experienced before. I want that kind of power with God. Men like our pastor, Pastor Jordan, who took a church in what others called a burnt over field with consistent tenacity, refusing to give up when he fought to see this church go forward into revival. And now he has grown a church that is literally reaching not just into our city, but into our region and is having a national and a global impact. His messages like the beginning of miracles and unlimited potential have literally unleashed the supernatural in this church. And now CLC walks in a dominion of spiritual authority that we have only begun to see what the depth of it really is. We are blessed. We are blessed to have a man of that caliber at the helm of Christian Life Church, a spiritual giant for our young people to aspire to be like. We ought to thank him this morning for being dedicated to being that example. Then there are spiritual giants whom not everyone knows their name, but their impact is still the same. Men like Richard Duggar, whose walk with God and his relationship with God has not wavered even from his wheelchair. 
When my phone rings and I see his name, I am very quick to answer that phone call because I know that he is calling with a word from the Lord that he has received in prayer. Women like Thelma Price, whose prayers were so quiet, yet so methodical, that they built as a memorial before the Lord. Her faithful prayers to a faithful God were not answered in her lifetime. But just a few short weeks after her death, there was rejoicing in heaven as her prayers were answered and her granddaughter returned home. That is a spiritual giant. Someone who will not give up. Several years ago, my husband and I were on a missions trip to El Salvador. And we had a group of, I don't know, it was probably about 30 or so young people. And on uh, the Sunday that we were there, our, our group was ministering in a very large church that was in their capital city. And um, I noticed this lady that just stood out to me above everybody else. She was just, she was tiny. It was an older lady, and she had the biggest smile on her face as she was greeting everybody. And she was dressed in this little white suit. You see, this church had what they called church mothers. And they attended to the needs of the congregation and of the church. And this particular lady was just, I don't, I, she, it was magnetic is the only way that I know to describe it. Her worship in the service was outstanding as she exampled what worship should look like. And when it came time for altar call, she was sitting up in the front and everyone stood. And I watched as she stood up and she straightened her little white suit and I was expecting her to walk towards the altar, but instead she turned around and she faced the congregation. And as the altar service started, she began to walk up and down the aisle and looking into the congregation until she would spot somebody that she felt like needed to pray. And she would point at them and she would motion for them and they didn't resist her. And I kind of have a feeling I probably know why. Because resisting probably would not have worked anyway. But she would motion them into the aisle and she would walk them herself to the altar. And she would stay with them until they had a breakthrough. And when she was satisfied that they had had a breakthrough, she would motion for someone else to come in to take her place. And she stood up and she walked the aisle until she found somebody else. And she would motion for them, and she brought them to the altar. Over and over again, I watched as she did this. We went to uh, lunch after service, and I mentioned to the missionaries how that I was so impressed with this lady and, and the way that not only did she attend to the congregation, but the way that she was burdened for those who needed to pray in. The missionary and his wife, they kind of looked at each other, and, and they smiled real big, and they said, oh, you're talking about sister so-and-so. You might be interested in knowing that she's homeless, and she's a beggar. She comes in on Sundays, and we have her white suit ready and cleaned and pressed for her, and she changes and freshens up in the bathroom, and she never misses a service. We have offered more times than not to help her 
to bring find a home for her. And she has refused because she said that she has more influence with the people that she is meeting on the street than what she would have from her home. And they told me that that woman was the biggest soul winner that that church had ever seen and was single-handedly responsible for winning hundreds of people to the Lord. To this day, I can't even remember what they told me her name was. But the shadow of that giant still emerges over my life and reminds me that I have a lot to strive for in order to be able to stand beside her on judgment day and to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm talking about spiritual giants that inspire you to do more and to be more than you ever thought was possible. But I assure you, there is a giant inside of each one of you. And the Lord is here this morning to remind you that today is the day to wake the giant that is inside of you and to live the life that he has designed for you, a powerful life in the spirit. Spiritual giants do not rise to the occasion because they have achieved a certain age or because they have reached a particular status. Spiritual giants are made when an individual has endured tests and trials and has overcome insurmountable obstacles that have shaped them and caused non-standard and unprecedented spiritual growth. They may not be the swiftest because of weary bones and bodies that have been weakened by sickness, but they are quick to pray and they are swift to battle. They may not have names of renown, but heaven knows their name and hell knows their name as well. When hell hears their voice, hell trembles and says, oh no, not them again. It's the voice of a spiritual giant. I want heaven to know my voice, but I also want hell to know my voice, and I want to give it a run for its money because it's not going to take my children, my church, our young people, not on my watch. Watch. Giants may be small in stature, but their impact sends shockwaves into the atmosphere. They may walk on lame feet, but they leap from mountaintop to mountaintop in victory. They may live with wounds that occasionally break open and bleed, but they just attend very quickly to their, their wounds so that they can bind the wounds of others and help to mend the brokenhearted. Spiritual giants are scarred from the battle, but their scars do not hinder them, and their scars definitely do not identify them. They may face insurmountable obstacles that would cause others to falter and to fall and to give up. But it doesn't deter a spiritual giant. But they continue to stay consistent and to stay the course. They have learned to wait until the answer comes from God. 
They have walked onto battlefields, outnumbered and outsized by their enemies, boldly and in confidence because they are confident in the God who goes into battle with them. They have tuned their ears to hear the faint cry of the wounded lying in the trenches. And they don't mind to get dirty and muddy to get in the trenches and to help the wounded. They are determined to recover all that the enemy has stolen from them. And if they find out that the enemy has stolen something from you, they are determined to help you recover what the enemy has stolen from you. Their war cry is distinctive as they battle for the souls of their children. If you have ever heard your mother praying over you, then you know exactly what I am talking about. I have walked into the house as a teenager and heard my mom call my name. And I didn't dare walk in that room because I knew that if I did, well, she might get a hold of me. And whatever it was that I happened to be doing was going to get straightened out. But if you have a mother who prays over you, you better never get angry about it and you better never resent it but you better thank God that you have a praying mother who continually snatches you out of the grips of hell and while I'm at it if you're resisting her prayers and giving her a run for her money, young people, here's a news flash for you. She isn't going to give up. So you might as well just go ahead and give in. Those prayers are building up as a memorial before God, and he is going to keep reaching for you. So don't expect him to stop because you had a praying mama. Don't give up, mothers. Keep praying. Your family is coming home. There ought to be a giant roar right now coming from this congregation, thanking God in advance that the Lord is hearing your prayers and that your family will come home. I have watched many of you who have travailed over your children and you've wondered if it's even possible. But I'm here today to tell you that it is possible. God hears your prayers and God will answer your prayer. Your children will come home. Hallelujah. Spiritual giants set at bedsides refusing to allow death to be victorious. Many of you know that this past year was a huge trial of our faith because of Dylan's health. From August until November, he was in and out of the hospital four times and in the emergency room and in doctor's offices, and we really weren't even sure what was going on. But I remember the last time in Springfield, Missouri, as we sat by his bedside and the doctor walked in and told us that he was certain that Dylan had either leukemia or lymphoma and that they were getting ready to do a spinal tap on my son to determine which one that it is. I have to be honest with you that fear 
totally gripped my heart. I couldn't imagine them doing a spinal tap on him because I had always heard how painful that that procedure was. But I'm thankful to say that when they did it, Dylan never felt one thing, and that was without anesthetic or anything of that sort, and I know that the Lord was with him. But as that doctor stood in that by the foot of Dylan's bed, and my husband and I sat in the chairs, and Dylan laid in that bed, and he said, we are, we are certain, pretty certain, that either we are going to find out that Dylan has leukemia or he has lymphoma, and it's just a matter of uh, discovering which one that it is. And I remember looking over at my husband, and I'm sure that there was fear on my face, and I'm sure that Dylan saw it too. And I looked over at Dylan, and I watched as he shook his head, and he pulled the cover up over his, over his face. And he said to the doctor, just wake me up when this is over. And that doctor turned around and walked out of the room, leaving us sitting there wondering what the future was going to hold for our son. But there was something that rose up inside of my husband because he was not willing to accept the doctor's report, but he was going to trust in the Lord's report. And he turned to Dylan. He said, we're not accepting this. We're not taking this. Get up out of that bed. And he went over and he started turning on the lights and he started opening the shade and he said, get up. Get out of that bed. I want you to get through the shower. We are not going to accept the report of the doctor. We will believe the report of the Lord. And at first, Dylan was a little, you know, what are you talking about? Did you not just hear what that doctor said? But there was something that shifted in Dylan when he saw a spiritual giant in his life saying, no, the doctor's report is not the final word. God has the final word. We will believe the report of the Lord. Whose report are you going to believe today? Are you going to accept the doctor's report? Are you going to accept the report of the world that says that our young people are interested in the church, that they want to live their own life? Are you going to accept the report of the Lord that says they will be healed, they will be restored, they will come home again, you will have peace, your marriage will put back together? I choose the report of the Lord this morning. You see, spiritual giants have what is called contagious faith. When they express their faith, you trust their walk with God enough to say, yeah, uh, what he said, what she said, I'm going to believe their report. I'm going to believe them. I'm going to take them at their word. They cling to drowning addicts, pulling them above the raging sea of their addictions. They walk alongside the prodigal in the filth and stench of the pig pen, and they never turn their backs on them. They love them when the prodigal is unlovable. They pursue even when the prodigal tries to push them away, and a spiritual giant never gives up. They never give up. Never give up. Keep reaching. Keep pulling. Because someday they're going to come to their senses. And they're going to come home. 
These are the things that spiritual giants do. They get up and go to church on Mother's Day when they would rather stay home. They get their kids dressed early on a Sunday morning, even when the kids are screaming and fussing and didn't get enough sleep the night before. They're faithful to the house of God, even when they don't feel good and sickness is uh, consuming their bodies. They stay committed, even when they are going through struggles and the trials of their life. They pray when nobody is watching. Nobody forces them to do these things. It is not something that is required of them. It is what they have learned to do because they have learned that faithfulness and consistency moves God and prayers move mountains through the power of God. This is a path that they choose. Spiritual giants choose to speak life instead of speaking death. They embrace brokenness and reject pride. They prefer contentment over bitterness because they know that they don't have the luxury of becoming bitter. They choose joy over being consumed with sorrow and with grief. They refuse to accept defeat, but instead they say, no, not on my watch. I have a God that will cause me to be victorious. Let me help bring this home to our mothers and our grandmothers and our aunts and our sisters and all of the ladies here at CLC today. It is your choice to which what is birthed and what is developed in you through your adversity. Adversity is going to do one of two things. Either it is going to intimidate you it's going to knock the breath out of you. It's going to cause you to want to run and to hide and to give up and to give in. Or adversity is going to make you stronger than you ever knew that was even possible for you to be. Adversity can make you powerful. When you understand that in adversity, you turn to the Lord and the Lord becomes the strength of your life. Or when you don't know what else to do, you stand your ground and allow the Lord to fight your, va your battle. It is in that type of adversity that you grow and you become stronger than you ever thought you could be. Let me assure you, your life is going to cast a shadow on those that are watching you. You're not going to pull it past your children. They see everything. They pick up on everything. Either that shadow is going to appear as a dark cloud that looms over your family, or that shadow will be a reflection of a spiritual giant that is covering them and interceding for them, come what may, a shadow that they, they know that they can count on. It's Mother's Day, ladies. It's your day. There is a giant inside of you. Your family is depending on you to allow that giant to awaken in your life so that they know that they can count on you in the good times and in the bad 
dad. You're going to be consistent. You're going to stay the course. And you're going to cover your family in prayer. And you're never, ever, ever going to give up. When we hear the word giant, our minds automatically go to the Bible story of David and Goliath. Goliath was a mighty warrior in the Philistine army, and he stood, historians say, anywhere from six foot nine to nine foot tall. I would not want it to be the one that had to find pants long enough to fit those legs. I struggle with six foot three. That's enough for me. But David, on the other hand, was a shepherd, and he wasn't even old enough to go into battle with his brothers. So young people, you may not think that you're old enough to do something mighty for God. This is proof right here. It doesn't matter what your age is. You can do mighty and powerful things for the Lord. Historians estimate that David was somewhere around 15 years old. That looked like an impossible situation that was going to be certain defeat. Goliath was a giant, and David was just a boy. There was a book that was written recently by Malcolm Gladwell entitled David and Goliath. In this book, the author begins to explain away how that a shepherd boy could have possibly defeated a mighty foot soldier. He refers to Goliath as having giant syndrome and how that this syndrome causes one to become weak and not to be agile and it impairs their vision. The book describes how Goliath, a foot soldier who is mighty in hand-to-hand up-close combat, was not prepared for a young, agile young, uh, boy with a sling. Now, I'm not talking about the sling that our, our boys have ran around with, the kind that you draw back. But I'm talking about the sling that gets turned over the head and when it's spun and then released it slings a rock at the velocity of a bullet I was sickened as I listened to this author propel an agenda to minimize the victory of David and to disqualify a biblical account of an unlikely person doing extraordinary things you see what this author missed was that he still viewed Goliath as the giant in the story, when in actuality, David was the giant. He was the spiritual giant in that story. What Mr. Gladwell overlooked in his research were the words of David that were recorded in 1 Samuel 17, 45. And David said this, Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom ye have defiled. It wasn't a sling expertly executed that won the battle for David. It was the name of the Lord. It was God who was on his side. The Lord was with him, and the Lord fought that battle. It wasn't by his own might or his own strength, and David knew this. 
Years later, he wrote, the Lord is the strength of my life. You don't have to fight your battles alone. The Lord is with you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. He is your secret weapon. When you go in the name of the Lord, he will fight your battle because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in having the Lord on your side. I wouldn't want to live in this world without knowing that God was on my side. If you don't know for sure whether or not the Lord is on your side, and if you have not been baptized in Jesus' name yet and had his name applied to your life, today is a good day for that to happen. And guess what? You're in luck. There are moms there are sisters, there are daughters that are here that would love to come with you to this altar and stay with you until you have a breakthrough. I believe that there are those of you who are in this place who are tired of fighting the battle on your own. That can change today. God can be on your side and he will fight your battle. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Spiritual giants could not fight the battles that they face without the Lord on their side. Remember that spiritual giants are the ones who have endured tests and trials and have overcome insurmountable obstacles and have come out on the other side victorious, not by their might, but by the power of the Lord. They have faced sickness, and they have not wavered in their faith that God is their healer when it's God's timing, when the timing is right. They have fought battles that have left scars and have suffered wounds that run deep, but they only serve to remind them that it was God who fought their battle, and it was God who healed their wounds, and it was God who mended their brokenness. That's why David wrote, let the children of God say, if it had not been been for the Lord who was on our side. When men rose up against us, they would have overcame us when their wrath was kindled against us. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us prey to our enemy. Our help is in the name of the Lord. You may be saying today, I have the name of the Lord, but I don't see myself as a spiritual giant. I can never become a spiritual giant. Let me remind you, it's a matter of perspective, and it's your choice. It is your choice to choose that path. There were 12 men that were sent out to spy the land that God had promised the children of Israel. When they went into the land, they saw fruitful land that flowed with milk and with honey and enough provision to sustain them. They knew going in that God had promised them the land as their inheritance and that all they had to do was possess it. But they also saw giants in the land. Ten men said, we are in our own sight. 
in our perspective, we are as grasshoppers compared to them. And so are we in their sight. They saw themselves from their perspective as inferior to the enemy. They didn't see themselves as giants, but they saw their enemy as the giant. And the people that were around them, that stood under their shadow, believed them and were ready to forfeit their inheritance in the future that God had for them. But there were two, Joshua and Caleb, who had a different perspective. They didn't see themselves as being inferior to their, to their enemy, but they saw their God, who they knew was with them as superior to the enemy that would dare to defy him or to come against them. If you would understand today that you are not inferior to the test and trials that you go through, it's not you that fights the battle anyway, it's the Lord, and he is superior. He has all power he causes us to be victorious the Lord will fight your battle Joshua and Caleb proclaimed this the Lord will lead us to the land and he will give it to us he will fight for us the Lord is with us. I've come this morning to tell you that it is time to awaken the giant within you. You can do this. The Lord is with you. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord is on your side. God will cause you to be victorious. God will cause you to be victorious in whatever battle that you face. How many of you believe that in this place? How many of you have ever had the Lord fight a battle for you? When you knew that there was nothing within your power that you could do, when you felt like that the battle was raging and that you were going under for the last time and you couldn't figure it out with your own thinking, but all you had to do was call on the name of the Lord and in an instant... In an instant, he was there. The scripture says that he's touched by the very feelings of our infirmities. That when we call on him, it gets his intention. It also says, and this was David who understood, not only does it get his attention, but he literally inclines his ear because he's interested in knowing what you're going through. And he doesn't want you to have to do it on your own, but he wants to be with you every step of the way. He wants you to to turn it over to him. Turn it over to him. The true test of a giant is when a giant says, I can't do it on my own. I am making a mess of things. It is time for me to take my hands off of it and turn it over to God, the one who is mighty, the one who is worthy, the one who fights my battles, the one who causes me to be victorious. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had to go to the Lord and say, I, I'm, I'm at a loss. 
I don't know what to do. I don't know where else to turn. I don't know what else to say. You've got to step in. And I don't even know how you are going to do this. And I can imagine the Lord smiling at me saying, yeah, well, let me show off for you just a little bit. Just take a step back. Take your hands off. Watch this. And time after time again, I have stood in awe as God has turned situations around that seemed impossible. If you've come into this place this morning and you are facing situations that you don't know how to get over them or how to get past them, let me tell you this morning, make one trip to this altar. Take your hands off of it. Turn it over to the Lord and let him fight your battle. Why don't we respond this morning if you've got something that you're facing in your life or someone beside you is take them by the hand lead them to the front and let's come and let's turn it over to God